0: Evening to you, Tammy, and uh, evening to the Metro FM uh, uh, Talk listeners. And I certainly hope that uh, Kuma and, and the gang have been keeping you comfortable. There.
1: Oh, look, I'm loving your chair. <laughs> <laughs> lo- lo- loving your chair, but might I add missing you as well. But tell us what what takes us to I- what takes you to India?
0: Yeah, so Tammy, uh, we we left South Africa on Friday evening, and I arrived in India on Saturday evening, uh, just before the. Uh, Uh, Voting ended uh, yesterday And uh, we're here to take a look Uh, We're in the city of Bangalore uh, In the southern part of uh, India In the Kanatakan state uh, of of India Looking at, um, I guess, the startup ecosystem In the world of tech, media um, And uh, uh, that kind of space And um, Bangalore is known uh, globally And even at least all here in Asia As the home of uh, the likes of Flipkart uh, Zomato and many of the other apps uh, that have certainly taken the world by storm. So, so we are here uh, visiting some of these uh, uh, great and uh, creative entities: production houses, film houses. Uh, wow. Earlier on today, we uh, had a chance to speak to uh, some sort of PR firms that work solely with startups, and uh, we spoke to uh, some uh, filmmakers who uh, make some productions for the likes of National Geographic. So, uh, we're here uh, for a full week uh, with uh, Innovate and the group at Investex taking a look. At the startup ecosystem and seeing what lessons we can learn from uh, this market here in India, which uh, is certainly servicing uh, just over a billion people, uh, which makes us really pale in significance there in South Africa. And we're hoping to really come back with some lessons, uh, not only uh, for us as, I guess, media professionals, but also as entrepreneurs.
1: I know it's still early days, but so far, is there anything that has really just stuck out and jumped out at you from your visits?
0: Look, I mean, I guess we're probably going to have a lot more time throughout the course of the week to speak about some of the things that are jumping out. For me, um, certainly from the travels that we've had over the last two days or so, uh, it's quite clear that many of the innovations that you see here in India are largely geared towards solving um, some of the problems that are associated with a developing country context and a third world context that India finds itself in. And so, you know, if you think about it, I mean, with a billion people, uh, Indian entrepreneurs and uh, sort of tech startups really don't have to be producing much uh, for anywhere outside of India because you've got a big enough market here uh, to really scale your products. But we've seen, uh, you know, an entity like Flipkart, which was owned by a South African media entity and uh, NASPERS until fairly recently, uh, really, I guess, you know, were dominating the Indian market and competing globally with the likes of Amazon. Uh, and uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, e-commerce and, uh, you know, the ability to really digitize the retail sector and take much of that. I mean, there was an interesting stat for me today that said 77% of all online users in India um, reportedly, uh, I guess, use more e-commerce than sort of... uh, traditional kind of retail where people are going into malls, going into markets. So it's quite clear that many of these uh, entities have got extensive um, uh, you know, uh, penetration in this market. But there are a lot of things that account for that time. One of those things is actually how cheap data is in this country. And uh, we heard a stat earlier on today that uh, you know one gigabyte of data here just costs uh, just over 50 rand. And if you compare that to, to how much you would get a gig of uh, data for in South Africa, which is probably three times that price, then you can see that alongside... The extensive penetration of smartphones, even in some of the poorest communities, really makes uh, this particular economy one, uh, and even the businesses of it, one that lends itself, I guess, to, to some of the shifts that are coming with the fourth industrial revolution. And we're also seeing, uh, you know, uh, uh, low-cost smartphones that are coming into the space, smartphones that one can get uh, for around sort of anything between 50 rand and 100 rand, that uh, in, are really going to make, I guess, uh, access... To the kind of Android technology and other forms of technology that one would find on a smartphone, ubiquitous and common across the board.
1: You mentioned uh, a couple of really interesting factors there: the fact that the technology is able to move forward because there is an environment that facilitates that. Data is cheap. Uh, there is, uh, you know, smartphones that are a low cost. Do you find so far that our market here in South Africa is 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 open to to those type of changes and a, a market that will allow? for for such innovation to flourish?
0: Look, Tommy, I think a lot of things are going to have to happen for us to, uh, I guess, even catch up, let alone be uh, leading the charge uh, on our continent, uh, which uh, by 2050 is probably going to have one of the largest working age populations across the globe. One of those is certainly the cost of data, which is, uh, I guess, limited and prohibited by uh, the issue of the allocation of spectrum and the transition from analog to digital in South Africa, which South Africa actually has missed a deadline on and hasn't, uh, 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 sort of uh, fulfill that transition. I think the other issue really is is that uh, we need to start thinking differently about where we play in that game. It can't be that South Africans are just consumers of all of the technology in its different forms, be it the software, the design elements, or even the hardware. And one of the things that we're learning here in India is that uh, you can play in different segments of the value chain. And I think we are starting to see that uh, slowly coming into South Africa. We saw Ashish Takar who is um, uh, you know a Kenyan of Indian descent, uh, and he's part of the Mara Group, committing at the Investment Summit in South Africa last year uh, to open up a factory that manufactures smartphones. I also do know that uh, there's a factory all the way out in the IDZ in East London that's that's doing the same, and there's a a sort of consumer electronics brand out in Cape Town, I think called Uhuru, doing something similar. And so there are a few people that uh, are trying to play in the hardware manufacturing space, but the big question is all of that is going to come to naught if we're not going to deal with the main barrier to entry into all of the businesses Uh, that are are data enabled and digitally enabled and that's that's the cost of data and i think if you look for instance at 5g uh, which uh, the likes of mtn and vodacom were launching over the last 18 months or so uh, there's going to be a major limitation in how south africa transitions to 5g which is an enabler of uh, self-driving cars internet of things um, blockchain and all manner of other frontier technologies if indeed we don't conclude this transition Uh, from analog to digital.
1: Now, what we're going to do, Ayabonga, I'd love for us to chat about the elections there, the atmosphere, uh, and and how things are looking on the political front. But if you could just hang on 10 for us, and we'll be right back. It is exactly 7.49 on Metro FM. Do hang in there. We'll be back with Ayabonga just after this. It is exactly 7.51 on Metro FM. We are on the line with Ayabonga Tawe, who is on a very exciting excursion in India, uh, looking at startups and, and techs along with Innovate and uh, Investec. Now, Ayabonga, we've been speaking business, and as you said, we've got the entire week to unravel all the learnings that you are going to be absorbing. But let's take a look at the elections. India's just come out of the elections just yesterday, and it looks like uh, Narendra Modi is is on track for being... For his second term as Prime Minister.
0: Look, Well, tell me, it seems like it. I mean, uh, I remember waking up this morning uh, just before we headed out to uh, visit one of the startups and seeing the newspaper reports uh, uh, with all of these different polls, I mean, polls from Nielsen right through to polls, even by News24, which is uh, owned by South African uh, NASP, and uh, even Ipsos as well, which uh, many South Africans would be familiar with. All of them, I guess, flagging, you know, a uh, victory there for the BJP, which is the Hindu Nationalist Party, um, and, uh, of course, uh, many would recall that the, the history of India since independence uh, was one that was largely dominated by the Indian National Congress and what many people call the uh, Gandhi-Nehru dynasty. Even the current president of um, uh, the uh, Indian National Congress, known as Congress to this side, and uh, whose politics are very similar to the ANC, uh, is still part of that dynasty. Rahul Gandhi, um, uh, his grandfather, was the founding father of uh, uh, India Jawaharlal Nehru uh, and uh, his daughter Indira Gandhi was also the Prime Minister and so um, many people I guess uh, expressing some dissatisfaction with that kind of dynastic politics so much so that in 2014 uh, the Hindu nationalist BJP party came into power after a landslide victory and it's quite clear from some of the exit polls that we've seen here uh, that uh, they that they are poised here to, to be announced as the winners after the votes are counted uh, and uh, those results are expected to come in on Thursday but I must say, Tommy, that, uh, you know, when one looks um, certainly at some of the, the key issues here in this particular election, the first one is that, I mean, this is the biggest expression of uh, s- sort of a parliamentary democracy in the world. I mean, there's 900 million people voting here, and that's why this, uh, uh, you know, voting process has unfolded in so many stages. And if you take that into context, I mean, we have 55 or around about 56, 57 million people in South Africa. Uh, and you think about that uh, as compared to 900 million Voters just alone, um, but but
1: I I wonder uh, Ayabonga, I, I wonder Ayabonga, yeah. what what is the voting percentage and the appetite for voting? Because we know here in South Africa that in as much as we've got fifty six million, you know, not everybody goes to the polls. Yeah.
0: So we saw, I mean, uh, the voter turnout coming in at around 66 percent, 67 percent, which is uh, not too far, certainly, from some of the figures that we've seen, and also reflects the same dissatisfaction uh, that many uh, Indian people and uh, even young people in India continue to have with uh, the political system. But I think, uh, by and large, what accounted for Congress's loss in 2014 was a dissatisfaction with globalization um, and the uh, unequal outcomes that have emerged from that. And you see the same in South Africa. You see it in the United Kingdom with Brexit. You see it... Uh, with the uh, trump in the, in the United States, and so it 's quite clear that this particular election uh, really poises, i guess the right wing Hindu nationalist bjP uh, with the more sort of center leftist kind of uh, national con- uh, uh, Indian national Congress and some of their coalition partners. Uh, And uh, from a turnout perspective, uh, Tami, really seeing the same trends that we saw a few weeks ago in the South African election. And uh, one wonders certainly what this is going to mean if indeed Narendra Modi wins, uh, because you can already see there's a war um, against Pakistan, and uh, Pakistan is seen to be in alliance with China. And after what we've seen certainly with Beijing and Washington and even the Huawei matter, one wonders uh, whether or not, uh, of course, uh, Donald Trump is going to solidify his alliance in the region with the BJP government and Narendra Modi. We've already seen uh, him uh, making overtures uh, in the ASEAN Summit in 2017 uh, to the BJP government and to Narendra Modi uh, at that particular summit and in other uh, subsequent events. So it's quite clear, I I guess, you know, this is not just important for India, but even important for the geopolitics of the Asian region as a whole.
1: And as we wrap up this evening, you touched a bit on on, on China and the Chinese uh, smartphone manufacturer Huawei. Won't you just get... Us a bit of an update as to what is happening there. We know that Google's parent company Alphabet um, has suspended its business relationship with Huawei.
0: So, uh, this is a long one coming, uh, Tommy. Certainly, if you look at what uh, the standoff between Beijing and Washington um, has uh, resulted in, and uh, it's quite clear here that uh, Trump is not the first time uh, he's talking about some of the security risks that are posed by. Uh, the Chinese uh, telco and uh, sort of uh, network equipment manufacturer. And you would recall, Tommy, that many entities in Africa, Asia, and in Europe use Huawei technology not just for phones, but they use it for wireless networks, for setting up of masts and bases and the like. And uh, the suspicion certainly within Washington is that some of those things are being used uh, by the uh, uh, Beijing government and uh, installing malware and spyware there uh, to spy on the American government, and uh, certainly after uh, the, the uh, Mueller report, which came out and said there was nothing uh, when it comes to Russian involvement uh, in the election of Trump, uh, uh, many people in uh, Washington quite paranoid about uh, some of the uh, security risks there. But we heard Beijing coming out today and saying that they would support Huawei and any other Chinese company to pursue a legal route against some of this banning and. Uh, Uh, many entities, including uh, Google's parent company, Alphabet Inc., uh, deciding there to ban uh, uh, sort of its services to Huawei. And uh, we've also seen the likes of chip makers like Intel, uh, which make the chips that go into many of our computers and uh, microprocessors and all manner of things, also following suit. And so it's quite clear that this is going to not only escalate the standoff between Beijing and Washington, but uh, many of us are going to find ourselves in the crossfire, uh, Mm. least of all those of us uh, who... uh, uh, sort of carry, uh, I guess, uh, Huawei smartphones. But uh, definitely, and I think uh, we'll leave uh, it. We'll leave Google. it at
1: that for for yeah. tonight, Ayabonga. But certainly tomorrow evening, we will touch base with you once again, and and also talk about some of the stories um, in in the business sphere. But enjoy your rest, enjoy your time there. Have a great day tomorrow, and uh, we look forward to chatting you on, chatting to you once again.
0: Indeed, thanks, Tami. Take care.
1: Thanks, Ayabonga.